Do you ever wonder why some contemporary art is worth millions and your art is worth not that much? Uh, discover some top art corruption schemes in this video. So here's the uncomfortable truth about the art market corruption. Is this painting great? No, but discover why we face the fraud of contemporary art today. This video is my opinion only and you may not agree with it, which is fine. I'm going to explain some art market money laundering and uh, Ponzi schemes prevailing at the top tier of the art market. I am uh, you know, a figurative artist myself and I see how the majority of super talented artists can barely make a living while others are killing it in the contemporary art market. The obvious question is why some artists are incredibly successful while the majority struggle. Um, this question is not about feeling jealous or insecure, rather it's about observing and understanding the driving force behind successful artists so you can make informed decisions whether you're an artist or an art collector. So the first obvious answer to this question is relationships. Um, artists who grow their network and connect to the most influential art dealers, galleries and curators in New York, LA, London and other top art destinations can become famous very early in their career. And artists who get exhibited in art museums in New York stand a much better chance of growing their artistic career exponentially. According to Magnus Risch, the author, How to Become a Successful Artist book. And the second answer to this question why some um, obscure artists become famous is art market collusion. In essence, art investors pose as art collectors. This category of art collectors want to make money by buying modern and contemporary art at the art fairs and top art galleries, hoping to flip the art in a few years, making a considerable profit. This leads to some remarkable art market corruption schemes at the very top of the art market. <clears throat> you know, there is no market regulation and that's why it attracts many speculators into it. And in this video, I'm going to discuss several most used art corruption schemes. Um, however, there are many more, I'm sure. First, let's look at the numbers because art seems to be a profitable business overall. Um, despite billions made in revenue, uh, the art market is a relatively small market if you look at the numbers in comparison to revenues of some blue chip companies. For instance, FedEx annual revenue for 2022 was over $93 billion, Walmart um, 
generated over 572 billion in revenue and at the same year Apple reported 394.3 billion um, US dollars in revenues and the global art market for 2022 it was um, 67.8 billion And, you know, money corrupts people, that's human nature. Uh, the top tier of the art market is all about making money, um, not selling or purchasing beautiful art, as they all say. Because of deregulation and tax laws in the US, art has become a place um, to write off taxes or to store millions in overpriced works. Art dealers, curators, advisors, and top mysterious clients all participate in this art flipping or art market tax evasion schemes to make money and to avoid paying taxes. Um, let me explain. So what is a Ponzi scheme? Ponzi scheme is a form of fraud in which belief in the success of a non-existent enterprise is fostered by the payment of quick returns to the first investors from money invested by later investors. And art market fraud refers to uh, deceptive and dishonest practices with the art industry that are intended to deceive, manipulate, or mislead buyers, sellers, collectors, investors, and other participants for financial gain. This type of fraud can encompass a wide range of illicit activities aimed at misrepresenting the authenticity, provenance, value condition, or ownership of artworks. So let's look at some very common uh, schemes. Uh, the first one is charitable donations to art museums. Let's look at the charitable donations to uh, contemporary art museums. On the surface, uh, they do look like uh, the donations. There are several angles to charitable donations to the art museums. These charitable contributions have several angles. In the first instance, while the artist gets zero in return from donating his art to charity, um, you know, only the cost of art supplies can be written off taxes as a business expense by the artist. The art collector can write off the entire price tag on art by donating it to an art museum or other nonprofit organization. Yep, the artist gets nothing in return, but the art collector is getting paid full price um, via a legit uh, art donation. In the second instance, charitable art donations can be good for artists' brand name recognition. To advance artistic career, artists must receive validation by exhibiting their art at the top art museums in New York City. What does it mean exactly? 
Art must be chosen for shows by leading art curators working in New York. According to Magnus Risch, New York is the center of the art world and the holy land of art institutions and galleries. The holy land consists of Gagosian, Guggenheim Museum, MoMA, the Whitney Museum, Pace Gallery, and Hauser and Wirth Gallery. A commercial gallery's uh, director representing work of such artists would say that it's a stamp of approval from professionals who choose the artist by uh, merit. The more art museums the artist conquers, the more validation he receives, the much higher price of art follows. As a result, galleries sell very expensive art because of formal validation, not the aesthetic principles of art or the artistic genius. Art market ethics is questionable here. This leads to art museum purchases or donations that raise the value of art. And, you know, there is nothing wrong with that. Only many mega-wealthy uh, people sit on museums' art boards and pump the artist's price up by giving the artist a show and then donating the art from their personal art collection to that museum at a much higher price. Donation is a tax write-off, nothing more and nothing less. Big money donations to the art museums are simple tax write-offs. Plus, you get your name written on a bench or a wall. How exciting! A taxpayer can shelter income by donating uh, property. If, for example, a person is lucky enough to purchase a valuable artwork of art for a lot less money than its fair market value, he or she may hold the piece for one year and then donate it to a qualified charity. The tax deduction which may be taken for this donation is based on the fair market value of art on the date of the donation. Okay, and the taxpayer may take this donation concept one step further and set up a systematic plan of donations involving limited edition prints or books. In this situation, the investor purchases the prints, probably at a big discount or the books at cost, holds them for 12 months um, and then donates them to museums or charities. He or she then may take a charitable deduction in the amount of fair market value of the prints on the date of contribution and in the amount of retail list price of the books. So in the second scheme, um, you see some very obscure artists becoming uh, famous. So how does that happen, right? Do you ever wonder how some strange art gets popular among the elite and good art remains in the shadows? Here's how you can become a famous artist participating in art market money laundering schemes. Say a wealthy person, um, let's call him X, must write off millions to avoid paying a tax. So he must own an expensive painting, say a 15 million one, without spending that much money on it. That wealthy person 
finds an, um, an obscure underrepresented artist and buy some uh, art from that artist for a few thousand dollars. But how do you make a $1,000 painting worth 10 million? Here's how. Such people are usually well-connected and either already have or will find necessary people in the art world to realize their scheme. It means finding high-end curators, appraisers, and gallery owners who can decide on pricing of art. If the artist is underrepresented, they can't justify price increase without a reason, because it's going to be a fraud. Therefore, they do something like this. This unknown artist gets a massive marketing boost by hiring a PR firm to promo promote the artist's work. These PR agencies place the artist in top publications, magazines, and art influencer accounts using their connections. After a while, the artist gets a show at a high-end gallery where the right people shop for art at high prices. This process gives lots of credibility and social proof to the artist when um, those first art collectors begin buying the art. As a result, the unknown artist becomes hot as his artwork gets continuously promoted. The appraisers can put a high price on art from now on, and at about that moment, uh, the wealthy person uh, X would cash in on his original investment because the art was purchased for pennies and sold for thousands of dollars. The investment is worth a million or two and can be donated to a set-up charity. By spending some money on art and promotion, the artificially raised price becomes income after donation, giving the investor profit not to spend it on taxes. And the variation of this business practice is when a hot artist gets flipped a lot for higher prices in a pyramid-like scheme. The most recent example of this Ponzi scheme is New York art advisor Lisa Schiff. She has got a lawsuit where two plaintiffs allege that she owes them almost two million related to the sale of a painting by famous Romanian artist Adrian Genier. Genier is a hot artist represented by one of four top galleries, Pace. According to the Artnet News, the record for Genier work sold at auction is 10.3 million uh, for Pi Fight Interior 12, sold at Christie's Hong Kong in May 2022. This lawsuit opened a can of worms exposing Schiff's business model of flipping art for profit for many years. In this particular case, in 2021, Schiff told Barash and Grossman that the Genier painting, Uncle 3, was available for purchase. After discussions, they agreed to buy the painting. Barash took a 50% share and Grossman and his spouse each acquired a 25% interest. No one got the art as it was shipped to the storage unit in Delaware. 
And next year, the plaintiffs agreed to resell the art with the help of Lisa Schiff. They agreed on price of art, um, you know, to sell it for 2.5 million and to split the proceeds after a commission to Schiff of $250,000. The art was sold at Sotheby's and the sellers received um, $450,000 and Schiff got her commission. The rest of the money, which was $1.8 million, were never wired to the sellers by Schiff. Hence, she got the lawsuit. And if you're wondering who Lisa Schiff is, she is a very well-known art advisor in New York, and she worked with many high-profile clients. Um, she was well-connected, and um, she was uh, the art influencer at the art fairs, uh, on museum boards, and uh, she also ran her upscale business from a gallery in Tribeca. And she was frequently quoted as an expert in the art press until the day the lawsuit dropped, accusing her of running a Ponzi scheme, flipping really expensive art from one buyer to the next. And you know what's common for these uh, Ponzi schemers is their lavish lifestyle, and that raises questions. Uh, how could they make so much money uh, to have such exuberant spending? Number three, art purchase as a bribe. And it's a big art market um, money laundering scheme. Basically, art becomes um, a shell. You know, uh, artist has inflated pricing and the art collector buys it in exchange for uh, a valuable uh, position or some other fa favor. In this art mar market money laundering scheme, you usually see inflated art prices on art selling at a high-end gallery where an art collector comes in and purchases art in exchange for a big favor or a valuable position within the government or company or other entity. And the Hunter Biden case illustrates this concept uh, perfectly. I'm not going to discuss the political views and implications here. Uh, I'd like to focus on the art corruption scheme itself. And in this particular case, the art gallery sold Hunter Biden's art to some art collectors for $1.3 million. According to the insider, um, news website, one art collector bought 11 artworks for $875,000. Upon close investigation, the names of at least two people who were art collectors became known, um, Elizabeth Naftali and Kevin Morris. 
Eight months later, after the Hunter Biden social opening, Joe Biden, the president, put Naftali to the Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage abroad. This case illustrates how valuable positions can be sold when you can't do a simple money transfer in exchange for it. Art becomes just like a shell, you know, to get the bribe, to get the money in exchange for a valuable position. You know, I wonder how much time or how many years uh, Hunter Biden spent um, you know, designing his portfolio, uh, emailing it to the galleries and getting uh, gallery representation. If you're an artist, you know what I mean. Um, it looks like he didn't have a problem um, getting into the gallery. And guess why? Not because his art is that wonderful, but because of other reasons. And you know, you can guess what reasons put him into a gallery in New York. Number four, uh, murky art uh, pricing at high-end galleries. Because when you walk into the gallery, um, you won't see a price. You know, gallery pricing is murky. When you enter a top art gallery, you won't see prices for art sold written anywhere at the gallery. When you go to Miami Art Basel, you see very few art galleries displaying prices on walls next to paintings. Um, there is no art market transparency, so to speak. And shrouded in mystery, prices are not publicized by dealers for a reason. Price varies depending on your looks and status. Hot artists are not sold to first-come rich art collectors. If you just walk in wishing to buy a particular hot artist, um, even if you have a ton of money, um, you won't get that artist. You'd be placed on a wait list with a promise that you need to buy a less hot artist first, and then, you know, you might be able to buy the very hot artist. Those famed artists are sold to the most known art collectors first uh, to bump up the price further. Number five, uh, free ports. This is a very interesting concept uh, where art is stored in special facilities. Those facilities are located next to some major airports. This art market uh, tax evasion feature can be very beneficial for art collectors and investors. Uh, who acquire art from different parts of the, world, of the world and wish to avoid immediate taxation or cust customs complications. Reports are 
also known as free trade zones or free economic zones, are specialized facilities that provide secure and tax-advantaged environments for the storage, trade, and exhibition of valuable assets, including art collectibles and luxury goods. These areas are typically located within a country's borders, but are considered to be outside its customs territory. Freeports offer various benefits, such as exemption from customs duties, taxes, and stringent regulations that would normally apply to imports and exports. In other words, the simplest way to use freeports is not to pay a sales tax on salt art by storing it in freeports, which uh, speaks volumes of art market tax evasion. Um, Freeports have gained prominence as a solution for wealthy people, collectors, galleries, uh, art institutions seeking a secure and flexible space to store and manage their valuable artworks. They offer a range of services beyond simple, simple storage such as conservation, restoration, cataloging, and even private viewing rooms for potential buyers or patrons. These facilities are equipped with state-of-the-art security systems, climate control, and there, there are several uh, well-known uh, freeports. Um, Geneva Freeport in Switzerland is one of the most famous freeports of art storage. And it's located in Switzerland. It offers secure and climate control spaces for storing high-value assets, including artworks, fine wines, and precious metals. Um, the Geneva uh, Freeport gained, gained popularity for its confidentiality and lack of transparency regarding the ownership of stored items making it a popular choice for people and institutions looking to, ke to keep their collections discreet. Um, in other words, you often don't know who the owner is of uh, the stored art or you know, precious metals and so on. There is a, a Luxembourg uh, Freeport and it's a significant player in the world of art storage as well. And sometimes you can see the depiction of reports and movies. They show such facilities where valuable uh, items like art can be stored or showcased. And the most uh, recent movie is Tenet, uh, where the protagonist travels back in time to the Freeport in Oslo airport. And, uh, you know, the scene shows him walking through uh, the facility. Number six is, is art forgery. And I'm not going to dwell on, on that one because uh, there are plenty of movies and videos talking about that topic. But if you want to learn about some major art forgeries, leave a comment and I might um, do another video about art forgeries in the future. 
there are numerous art market forgery schemes, while they are somewhat different in motivation from all the previous art market collusion schemes listed. They do exist as forged art gets produced and sold to art collectors, museums, and private companies. And uh, art market forgery means creating or selling art that that's falsely, falsely attributed to a well-known artist or created to imitate a particular artistic style in order to pass them off as genuine. And another type of forgery is misrepresentation of provenance. Um, it's when you know they provide false or fabricated ownership histories and records of artwork, past ownership to inflate its value or authenticity. And number seven is art philanthropy. It has a quite different connotation. And what is art philanthropy? The original meaning of this award gets corrupted by human nature. Philanthropy raises the person's profile. It looks uh, wonderful uh, in the eyes of most people. It looks great on paper. When the philanthropist is giving money to the foundations, um, it sounds so charitable and giving and nice. But the only problem is that the philanthropist controls the foundation behind the scenes and if it's not the foundation but an LLC, these companies make and spend money as they want. So during the money transfer to the foundation, they get a tax break for a charitable contri contribution. In reality, it's same old uh, tax evasion scheme. If registered as charity, philanthropists donate to both non-profit and for-profit companies with um, you know, interest in those companies that make the money. And it's a business, it's not philanthropy. Price gouging, you know, to bump up the price of art. Um, certain people do crazy things and uh, let's uh, look at them uh, right now. Price gauging at art auction houses refers to the practice of artificially inflating the prices of art beyond their fair market value through various means, ultimately leading to high auction results. This can occur during uh, to a combination of factors, including manipulation, collusion, hype generation, unethical practices by auction houses, bidders, or you know, in between people involved in the art market. Uh, some methods include shield bidding. Uh, it means auction houses might use shields, which are, indiv uh, which are people posing as legit bidders to drive up the bidding and create an illusion of high demand. Uh, shield bidders artificially increase the price of art, encouraging genuine bidders to offer higher bids. And um, there is also pre-arranged sales. Some artworks might be sold privately before an auction, but 
then they are presented as fresh uh, to market items. And this uh, tactic can create the perception of high demand and value, leading to increased bids uh, during the auction. Um, next method of price gouging is chandelier bidding. Auctioneers might falsely claim to have received bids from the audience, inflating the price of the artwork even if no actual bids were placed. And this technique encourages real bidders to compete at higher price points. Um, then there is also limited information. Auction houses might withhold irrelevant information about the artwork's condition. Uh, provenance or authenticity leading to higher prices based on incomplete or misleading information. And finally, there is a hype generation and marketing scheme. Uh, auction houses often use elaborate marketing campaigns, glossy catalog descriptions and celebrity endorsements uh, to generate hype around certain artworks or artists. Uh, this can create an atmosphere of excitement and exclusivity, uh, drying up demand and subsequently inflating prices. And there are a number of other art market scams that include online auction scams. These scams involve posting fake listings on online auction platforms, often using stolen images to deceive potential buyers into making payments for non-existent artworks. These are also scams involving undisclosed restoration or damage. Uh, the scammers conceal the fact that an artwork has undergone a restoration or repair or downplaying the extent of damage in order to sell it at a higher price. Some art market participants also give false appraisals. And finally, some can forge the certificates of authenticity by creating counterfeit certificates or manipulating genuine certificates to falsely authenticate an artwork. Obviously, it leads to uh, considerable financial losses and legal battles by the art collectors. You can call me cynical or, you know, or too ironic describing the art world. Uh, after all, it's a web of connected art dealers, um, auctioneers, appraisers, uh, curators, critics, um, different uh, art influencers and uh, top galleries. Uh, you know, all participating in the art market collusion. My point uh, is that art has nothing to do with art. All of these art market uh, money laundering schemes uh, are real and some thrive because of legit tax code in the U.S. Art as an investment is for people to do just that to put money to work. Um, yes, they can all say that they love art and they enjoy looking at it, perhaps. And so many, uh, you know, wonderful artists can't find their collector base and, you know, they stay on the sidelines. 
because they don't have this art marketing machine, um, you know, for a promotion. They cannot get uh, a stamp of approval uh, to either confirm or raise uh, the value of their art. You know, it will be nice to see uh, a voting system in the art museums. Uh, whenever you walk in, you look at the show and you can leave a vote um, for that particular show. I think this would pre prevent some of the uh, corruption going on and maybe uh, um, if you know shows are not popular, maybe those curators would stop exhibiting, uh, you know, ugly art uh, and focus on showing art by uh, many other talented artists who simply don't have that art marketing machine uh, working behind their backs. You know, but I doubt this happens in the nearest future, and. Um, we will continue being uh, mesmerized by exuberant pricing and ugly art uh, hung at art shows and galleries and art museums where institutions basically tell, tell us what's good and what's not good although you can make your own judgment but what usually happens is that uh, you get confused and you say you don't understand anything in art. That's what I hear a lot from people who are not artists. They say that they don't understand art. And if you're an artist, um, you know, you're in the beginning of your artistic career, um, now you might get some new ideas how you need to start working on your marketing promotion. Um, you can try getting into the shows at the art museums in New York or connect to powerful players in the art world who would promote your art. I wish you lots of luck and uh, thanks so much for watching guys. I appreciate every single one of you. If you enjoyed this video, please uh, like, uh, share it and subscribe to my channel. Um, if you have um, any ideas for future videos, uh, drop them in the comments uh, below. And don't forget to check out my art at veronicasart.com. Um, I wish you lots of luck, peace and resilience. Um, take care, my friends. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for watching and don't forget to subscribe. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.